0: Hello and welcome to the Alan and Overy podcast. New technologies have seen traditional businesses across all industries be disrupted by new market entrants. Think what Uber has done to taxis or Airbnb to the hotel market. We've also seen traditional businesses use technology to fundamentally change their operating models. For example, the way that banks have embraced mobile and online banking and decreased their reliance on the branch model. In this podcast, we're going to look at how traditional businesses are responding to the challenge of digital transformation and how the pursuit of innovation is driving a wide range of partnering transactions from mergers and acquisitions to commercial alliances. My name is Rose Hall, and I head up business development for our technology group. Joining me today is Conal O'Neill, a partner from our Sydney office who works with clients on a wide range of digital transformation projects. So Conal, what exactly do we mean by partnership in the context of digital transformation, and what's driving it?
1: So Rose, when we talk about partnerships in the context of digital transformation, what we're really talking about is bringing technology to bear on business problems through combination. So on the one end of the spectrum, you've got the nimble and innovative startups developing new technology. They're doing that rapidly with scalable business models, access to significant funding, and they're solving niche problems which potentially have global applicability. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the traditional businesses who are the, the ones that have the most to lose by the disruption that's playing out in their industries. They are encumbered with their history. They typically have lot slower R&D cycles, at least most of them do. And you know, in some ways, they're limited in their ability to innovate uh, due to their history and their structure. These traditional businesses—they uh, can see what's coming. They can see the disruption in their in their markets. They're looking for growth, and they're looking to sustain their position. And they, you know, they see these new market entrants as a threat, something that they have trouble grappling with. The result is that these incumbent businesses and the tech startups tend to be a nice natural fit and can work together well if you can make sure all of the incentives are aligned. In, in a lot of ways, it's a perfect symbiotic relationship and an opportunity to leverage off of the strengths of either side to create more value, but it comes with many challenges.
0: What does this mean in practice, Connell? What are the principal drivers for partnership?
1: When we talk to clients about uh, what's driving them into technology partnerships, the main driver is accessing new technology And and what comes with that is the talent to to support and develop that technology. These clients, the typical traditional industry clients, which are being disrupted by technology, they're trying to build capability in-house. Many of them have significant technology capability, but what they don't have is the organizational structure and the startup culture needed to deliver rapid advancements. They will be focused typically on cost reduction and process improvement. So they're looking at industrial logic as a driver for their transactions, cost reduction being the the most important. And, you know, in some instances they are interested in testing different business models and new technology, looking at test bed environments, dipping their toe into the water to see whether new uh, innovative approaches will work. And they can do this in many different ways.
0: And from the startup point of view, why would a startup want to partner with traditional business that's likely to have a different model and a different culture, as you said?
1: Well, if you are a startup and you, you you see what these traditional businesses have at their fingertips, it can be very appealing to try to partner with them. They have huge volumes of data. So if you're an AI startup, you know AI is powered by data. Access to data can be key. It can be a make or break um, for, for a startup. There's also potential that they can have a springboard on their traction, have some great press that they're working with a big brand name. Um, They can access capital. These companies, these incumbents have huge captive user bases. So potentially they can scale quickly and there's other more subtle things such as these companies have significant regulatory compliance infrastructure and expertise, which can be leveraged by the startup. That being said, in order to get the most value, it's very important to structure the deal appropriately with incentives of both parties properly aligned. So this is where, when you're looking at a partnership, all of these topics become quite significant negotiation points.
0: So how do startups and traditional businesses work together? What models are you seeing, Connell, and and why is one chosen over another?
1: When I think about this, there are really three ways to adopt new technology if you are an incumbent business, you can either buy it, build it or collaborate with somebody else to deliver it. When we talk about buying it, you can do this through acquisition or minority investments, you know, in some cases, large companies are building corporate venturing arms and incubators as a feeder so that they can take minority stakes and potentially controlling stakes in some of the companies that they, they feel will be transformative for their businesses. When we talk about building it this is a harder proposition this involves delivering technology through the internal technology organization it includes working with third parties and all of the challenges that come with procuring services from service providers and delivering technology organically within a business something that typically startups do very well but large traditional industries struggle with then when we talk about collaborations there are those collaborations between startups and large companies where they both have different incentives and there's a, in many cases a symbiotic relationship. But then there can also be collaborations between large companies, large technology companies or online providers and traditional businesses. A good example would be a tie up between a bricks and water retailer and an e-commerce provider perhaps to enter a new market or to bring a new challenging e-commerce application to, to an existing market. These partnerships have different drivers and will typically be focused on ensuring that the new venture doesn't cannibalize the existing businesses to the extent that's possible.
0: It's clear that there can be significant benefits f- for the business from all of these options, but, but what can go wrong? What do businesses contemplating these sorts of alliances need to be aware of?
1: The number one thing that I've seen go wrong is companies looking to do an alliance without a clearly defined scope or purpose and without a clear understanding of the expected contributions of each party. This means that they go into the alliance looking at it as a transformation for transformation's sake without a really clear understanding of what they seek to gain from it and how they will implement it. And this this leads to many other problems when you actually talk about implementing an alliance. IP can be a major issue in collaboration discussions. I think one of the things that derail a lot of alliance discussions is people trying to own IP where they may not be the natural owner of that IP. So if I'm a, a bank and I'm collaborating with a technology company, do I really need to own the rights to the technology? Do I really need the right to register patents? It, in many cases, it makes more sense for the technology company to be the natural owner. And this is something that I, I think, you know, people get wrong and people fight too hard for, which can, you know, bring an end to to, to discussions where it might actually be quite a valuable collaboration. Culture is central to any kind of alliance. Um, particularly aligning incentives, and you know, this is where procurement mentalities in large business can really hamper alliance negotiations. This can also slow things down and you can put off a fast moving technology company that might be doing this with many other potential partners um, and, and potentially place the traditional business in a, in a position where they're not competitive to win the alliance. Creating the right incentives for staff. Technology companies provide great incentives. We all hear about, you know, the pool tables and the video games. Um, often this is at odds with the way that big business incentivizes their staff. And it's really important to get this right and to make sure that the right incentives are created for staff from the outset and the right potential upside opportunity is there so that they stick around to deliver, the, you know, the goals of the alliance. Now, the other one is a big one that we should always have in our mind is what happens at the end of all of this how do we pull this apart if something goes wrong how do we naturally break up at the end of the at the end of the alliance thinking about that stuff up front and really clearly understanding what can go wrong as you enter the marriage puts you in the best position to really unwind this in a way which is not disruptive at the end particularly around who owns what at the end of the, the alliance and the timing for exit, these are very important points to, ha- to bear in mind and consider from the outset.
0: That's brilliant, Connell. Thanks so much for sharing your insights.
1: Pleasure.